Good morning, First Baptist Blairsville. Let's give our musicians a hand for leading us in worship today. We're so blessed. We are so blessed as a church. And it is good to be with all of you. If you're new to First Baptist, I am Ricky Powell. I'm honored to be the senior pastor here. And we welcome you. And if there's any way that we can connect with you uh, after this service or any time in the future, please don't hesitate to let us know. We love helping you take your next step in your journey with Jesus. Today we're in this series uh, on the parables of Jesus. We're looking at a few of those. And today we're going to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant. In just a moment, we'll look at Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21. Every time I read this parable, I think about that story of the farmer and his wife who went into town one day on a shopping trip. They loaded up on their wagon, pulled by their mule, and ever so often, the mule would just stop dead in its tracks. The first time the mule did that, the old farmer sitting on the wagon bench said, that's one. And then they got on farther down the road, and the mule stopped a second time. And the farmer said, that's two. Kept making their way down the road, and a third time, that mule stopped, dead in its tracks, wouldn't move. The farmer said, that's three. The fourth time that mule did it, the farmer didn't say a word. He just got off the wagon, walked up to the mule, punched it in the nose, and then got back up on the wagon. And down the road they went. His wife said, I don't think that was very appropriate. That was actually not nice. He said, that's one. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody just offend you? And it's one thing to forgive them the first time, but then they do it again? And you have to forgive them a second time? And that's very difficult. You start reaching the third and the fourth time of someone repeatedly hurting you. It can be more and more difficult to forgive. And there's something similar to that, I think, going on in the life of the followers of Jesus. Jesus had been talking about interpersonal relationships with his disciples When Peter raises his hand and asks a question, how often do I have to forgive someone? And so that's what prompted Jesus to stop and to talk about the issue of forgiveness here in Matthew chapter 18. And what we're going to see today is that this lesson was not only for people like the apostle Peter, it's also for people like me and you. Because we struggle at times to be forgiving people. In fact, I'm all about forgiveness when it's me that's done wrong. You need to forgive me. But sometimes I can find it difficult to forgive other people. I don't know if you've ever been there. Sometimes we, we hurt each other in our interpersonal relationships as family or friends, neighbors or coworkers. We can even hurt one another in the church world in which we live. It was a man named William Backus who wrote in his book, Untwisting Twisted Relationships, that though we expect from our relationships the sweetest moments life can offer, the brutal fact is that what parents, spouses, sweethearts, friends, and neighbors say and do can cause a large share of life's miseries. That's certainly true. People can hurt you. And you can find it difficult at times to forgive. And because of that, Jesus has some lessons for us here in Matthew chapter, chapter 18, beginning with verse 21. So listen to what he says to Peter and his disciples. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what he says to us today. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Why don't you read silently from your copy of God's Word as I read out loud from mine. Matthew 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, 
Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or maybe your translation reads 70 times seven. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that servant, that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And when they went and reported to their master all that had taken place, then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Peter wants to be a forgiving person. So he asked Jesus this sincere question, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? And then Peter, with this open, generous heart, says seven times. Now in Peter's mind, Peter's thinking, I know what the rabbis say, so I'm gonna double it and add one for good measure. They teach you forgive three times. I'm gonna double that to six, add one, seven, and he fully expected Jesus to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You go and forgive seven times, then you're done. That's the limit of your forgiveness. But Peter was shocked whenever Jesus said to him, no, I do not say to you seven times. Don't misunderstand me, Peter. That's not what I'm saying. I say to you seven times 70. Now, if you're trying to do the math, that's not the point Jesus was making. Jesus is not making a point about math. He is making a point about mercy. He's saying you don't keep count of how often you forgive someone. You just keep forgiving. And if you've forgiven somebody 490 times, you're pretty much in the habit of forgiving them. He says there's no finite number of opportunities to forgive that you can exhaust. If you're going to be my followers, you keep on forgiving because you yourself have been forgiven. And that's where this can be difficult. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get frustrated with people who repeatedly hurt me or offend me. Sometimes we forget that 
It can be easy to ask for forgiveness, but it can be difficult to actually offer forgiveness. And the same heart that is eager to receive it by the Holy Spirit of God needs to be eager to extend that forgiveness. And that's what Jesus wants to talk to us about. So he, he tells this parable. He tells a story, and it's an interesting story. It's really set not so much as a king in Israel as much as it is a king maybe in Mesopotamia who's calling in his servants to find out how much he is owed by them. And in this story that Jesus gives us, he tells us, first of all, that we owed a debt we could not pay. We owed a debt we could not pay. In Jesus' story, this king wants to know what he's worth and he needs to know what his ledger looks like and what is owed to him. So he calls his servants in, the CPAs give an account and say, this guy owes you 10,000 talents. Now to us in the 21st century, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But Jesus was using the largest coin that was minted in his day and he was giving one of the largest amounts that a person could owe conceivably, 10,000 talents. They say that the gold in the Ark of the Covenant of Israel was worth 30 talents. This guy owes 10,000 talents. He is a common laborer. He will never be able to pay this debt back. It would be the equivalent of me saying to you today, we have checked the books and you owe the equivalent of the national debt of the United States of America, and you have a week to pay it. You would say, that's impossible. If I had thousands of years, I could never pay that kind of debt. Now you know how this man felt in Jesus's story. He owed a debt that he could not pay. And it doesn't take much spiritual discernment to recognize Jesus is arguing from the lower to the higher, from the secular to the spiritual. He is saying, just in this story, this man owed a debt he couldn't pay. You too owe debts you can't pay to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. You owe a sin debt that you will never be able to repay, even if you had thousands of lifetimes to try. We owe this insurmountable debt when we sin against God. And in our culture, we know what it is to feel that someone owes us something when they've wronged us. We even use that kind of accounting language whenever we talk about someone offending us. We say to them, you owe me an apology. Or when a person breaks our laws, we say they owe a debt to society. And whenever we break God's laws, we too owe him. And we owe him everything because we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. The best person in this room is yet a sinner in the eyes of a holy God. And sometimes we would like to say, God, I'm gonna try harder and I'm gonna pay you back. I'm gonna work harder. I'll do better. I'm gonna turn over a new leaf. And even if you could go from this day forward and never sin again, you still haven't dealt with your past sins. No, just like this man could not keep his promise to repay everything he owed, we cannot pay God back. You say, I'm not too sure I owe God. Maybe that's where you are this morning. I don't know if I owe God anything. 
Well, you owe God everything. You have breath in your lungs today. Your heart is beating today. You were given this new life today because there is a God in heaven who loves you and who created you to have a relationship with him. But what do we do in return? We embezzle from this God who loves us and gives us everything and we say, it is mine. It is my life, it is my time, it is my health, it is my relationships, it is my world, and we don't give God the allegiance and the worship and the gratitude that is due him. But even worse, we sin against him and we break his good laws and we owe him a debt. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this man falls down on his face, confessing to the king, just have mercy on me and I will repay you. But the king knows he can never do it. So something amazing happens in Jesus' story. This king is moved with compassion. His heart is filled with mercy and he says, stand up, I forgive you of every debt. You owe nothing. It's an amazing moment in Jesus' story. And that is the second truth I think Jesus wants us to learn today. Not only do we owe a debt we cannot repay, Jesus came into the world to pay a debt he didn't owe. You see, when this king paid off the debt, he didn't just say, ah, never mind, it's no big deal. What the king was doing is he was suffering the loss of this debt himself. He was eating it. He was taking that loss and saying, I'm gonna set you free. You are no longer under an obligation to repay me, but I still lose what you owed me. And dear friend, over 2,000 years ago, God in love sent Jesus Christ into this world to save sinners. Jesus came into this world as Emmanuel, God with us, God in flesh. And Jesus lived the perfect life that none of us have and none of us can. Only Jesus fulfilled the commandments of the law to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He's the only one who has ever lived a perfect, sinless life. And you know what he did? He exchanged his perfect, righteous life on the cross of Calvary, taking the punishment of our sin upon his own body. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. He paid the debt he didn't owe on the cross of Calvary. And aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that he did that? Like the man in the story who's been forgiven of this insurmountable debt, we should leave every day just singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like And the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. Have you ever had a debt that someone paid off for you? Many years ago, I knew a student pastor, newly married, through Bible college, then he was going to seminary. Because of that, he had racked up some school debt. But to compound matters, as he started his new family, his wife was diagnosed with a debilitating illness 
And so they began to have medical bills just rack up like crazy. It was a lot on him as he sought to serve the Lord. One Sunday, a man came to me and he says, Pastor, don't tell him my name, but I'm gonna write a check and I wanna pay off all of his bills, all of his debt, I'm gonna pay it in full. And when I shared that news with that youth pastor, he fell on his face in my office in tears. How could somebody love me like that? How could somebody do that for me and for my family? Are you kidding me? This is too good to be true. I've never in my wildest dreams imagined somebody would do that for me. He did it for you. Dear friend, that pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ did for you and for you and for you on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. He gave his all and he wipes the slate clean whenever you put your faith in him. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, it's amazing grace. And I tell you, it's not just amazing because he forgave all my past sin. He forgives my present and my future. He paid it all. Because, friend, I haven't just sinned against God once. I'm a professional sinner. Don't look at me like you're spiritual. You know you're right there with me. We have graduate degrees in sinning. We're good at it. And God's amazing grace sustains us. Aren't you grateful this morning? It is still the promise of God that his mercies are new every morning. His compassions, they fail not. Where sin abounds, his grace there much more abounds. But now we come to the crux of what Jesus is teaching in this story. Not only do we owe a debt we can't repay, and Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe, but here's the bottom line of Jesus' story for my life and yours. Forgiven people should forgive people. Forgiven people should forgive people. It was the late C.S. Lewis who said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Then it's not so lovely. But Jesus says, if you've been forgiven, you should be a forgiving person yourself. That was the twist in this story. You think the twist in the story is the mercy of the king on this servant who owed an insurmountable debt. But the next twist in the story is that when this guy goes out and he meets one of his companions, not a king, just another one of his friends, who owes him a little bit of money, just a few dollars, we would say. And you would think in this moment he would say, ooh, I have been set free from all my debts. I'm gonna pass it on. Man, you are free. Don't you worry about that little bit of money you owe me. But instead, he does the exact opposite. Having been forgiven, he refuses to extend forgiveness. And you hear almost the exact same story from this man who owes a little bit of money. Please show me mercy and I'll repay you. But the servant refused to give him mercy. Has him thrown in jail until he pays off his debts. And word got back to the king. This is how he handled it. And he summons him back 
How could I forgive you of all that debt and you refuse to forgive your friend of his little debt? I have forgiven you of a mountain of debt. You won't even forgive someone of a molehill of debt. That's the King Ricky version, by the way. That's not in the the Greek. But that's the point that Jesus is making in his story. And we do that, don't we? We leave worship humming amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and then we get down the road in traffic and we get angry at someone and we lose our temper with someone and it bothers us all day long. Unless I'm the only person who who can be irritated in traffic. You see, I've discovered your four-way stop here. (laughs) And some people don't know a four-way stop, how it works. So so maybe that's you. Or maybe you go home and it's that person in your family who said those unkind words again to you. Or maybe you come to the office and it's that coworker who once again overstepped their bounds. Or maybe it is that neighbor. And over and over, you're struggling to forgive them. It might be something recent. It may be something a long time ago. And you find yourself refusing to forgive. Instead, you're harboring bitterness, anger. You talk about it and it makes your blood boil every time the subject comes up. Maybe Christ is telling you today, it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. Because you see, Compared to what God forgives in us, the grievances we have with one another are molehills. What he has forgiven us of is not just a one-time sin or three times or seven times or 490 times. We have forgotten how often Christ has forgiven us. We have forgotten how big of a debt we owe him. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be, we sing. And yet, we often find it impossible to forgive because I think sometimes we misunderstand what it means to forgive. To forgive doesn't mean what the other person did wasn't important. So when I forgive you or you forgive me, we're not saying that what happened wasn't so big of a deal after all. No, it was a big deal. But to forgive means you forgive. You take the initiative and you give forgiveness. And you say, you don't owe me anything else. What you did was real. What you did was wrong. What you did was serious. What you did had consequences. But I am not going to spend the rest of my life trying to get you to pay me back. Because in the end, I end up miserable as a result of that. So I forgive. I wipe the slate clean. I incur the debt of what you did and I release you in God's grace. Also, to forgive does not mean you have to wait for them to ask for it. Well, if they'll ask me, I'll forgive them. No, you forgive even if they don't ask. For some of you, the people you need to forgive are not even alive anymore. They can't come back and ask for your forgiveness even if they wanted to. But you are still harboring that bitterness and hurt and anger in your heart. And forgiveness also does not mean always you'll be reconciled to that person. Sometimes forgiveness 
is that I release you from having to pay me back, but I can't have you in my life. But I'm not gonna let you poison my life. I'm gonna set you free, and I'm gonna turn you over to God and let God deal with you. And forgiveness doesn't mean there are no consequences to someone doing wrong. Sometimes whenever people are forgiven, they still have to face the consequences of what they did. Legally speaking, perhaps someone did you wrong and you say, I just can't forgive them because does that mean letting them go and that they don't have to pay the, for the crime they committed? Oh no, no. This is personal forgiveness. They still have a debt to society and it's right to let the legal system handle them, but you can forgive them. Or a person can forgive you, but you've done so much damage, there are gonna be some consequences going forward. I mean, for example, you know, I could be, a world-class Olympic high diver. Just go with me for a moment. Because um, that ain't gonna happen. But in the story, let's just imagine I'm this high diver. I'm, I'm gonna compete for the United States of America in the next Olympics. Uh, all the commentators say I'm destined to bring home the gold. And yet, the night before I compete, I get drunk and wreck my car. Now remember, this is a story. Do not leave here saying, did you hear about that Baptist preacher at First Baptist drinks? I don't drink. This is a story. So don't start any rumors. I'd have to forgive you. <laughs> so I get drunk, I wreck my car, and I lose my legs in that accident. And in my hospital room, before TV cameras, I can beg my country to forgive me. I can beg my teammates and my coaches to forgive me. I can beg my family, forgive me for how I've made a terrible choice. And they will forgive, but I won't be back up on that high dive because there are consequences. Now notice Jesus warns us that there is danger in harboring an unforgiving spirit in the parable, the king's absolute anger and intolerance of this man's lack of forgiveness comes forth when he says, you wouldn't forgive, so I'm gonna throw you back in jail. And you're gonna be tormented until you repay me everything you owe. And sometimes people think, is Jesus referring to Peter losing his salvation if he's not a perfect forgiver? No, this isn't a parable about salvation for Peter. This is a parable about family fellowship and the way we work in the kingdom of God. And if you don't become a forgiver, Peter, you're gonna be tormented with anger and bitterness and sleepless nights and a guilty conscience. Don't allow that to happen. You have been forgiven, forgive, and you'll find freedom in that. But this kind of forgiveness really can only come through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think Jesus is bringing us to the point where we have to fall on our faces before him saying, dear Lord Jesus, I can't do this. I cannot forgive like this. I need you help. Help me. By your grace and through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through the accountability of your church, God, would you help me, someone who has been forgiven, be forgiving to other people. And when we humble ourselves before him, he makes possible what we can't do on our own. So today the application is not go home and try harder. The application is not go home and think about all those people who have hurt you. No, the application I think is go home and turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Think less of them. Think more of him. And he'll give you the power to forgive. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what Jesus has spoken to us about through the inspiration of Scripture. And God, we know the bottom line is forgiven people should be forgiving people. God, we know it. But God, we struggle with it. So we pray that this morning by your Holy Spirit's power, you would fill us and give us the strength to think less of the people who have hurt us, to not keep records of wrongs, but instead to think more about you and your love and your grace and your mercy. And out of gratitude for all you've done for us, we will find it a little easier to forgive others of what they've done to us. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, will you pray today, God, thank you for forgiving me Help me to be more like you. Help me to forgive others. Help me to have a humble spirit. Help me to let go of grudges. Help me to let go of the past. Maybe you need to pray that for yourself personally. Maybe we need to pray that as a church. God, the past is the past. We move forward in what you want to do in our lives and through our lives as we show the world the gracious God you are the great Savior you are, the great forgiver you are. Help us to show that by how we love you and by how we love others. And while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe today for the first time in your life you realize you need Jesus' forgiveness for your own sin. Why don't you pray right where you are? Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, you can pray in your heart. You'll hear you. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you I am a sinner. I've done so much more wrong than I could even think of. But you came into this world to forgive sinners, and God, I need your forgiveness. So today I place my faith in Jesus Christ, who took my punishment on the cross, who rose from the dead alive, and so he can hear me now when I pray, Jesus, I turn from my sin, I believe in you. Jesus, you're the one who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Today, Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I put my confidence in you and you alone to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I want to learn more about you, Jesus. I want to live for you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, everyone said,